One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store, Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Josh, have you got 70 pounds spare? I ain't got seven pence spare, mate. <laughs> I ain't got seven pence spare. Would you like to spend more for your video games? No, uh, no. Make sure the popularity goes down on video games overall. Um, yeah, let's talk about the fact that the majority of AAA games, or the majority of games at this point, are trying to hit a 70 pounds slash $70 price tag. Um, because there's a bunch of data coming out about the way that the various publishers in the industry are approaching this and they're all exploring it. They're all exploring the idea of charging more money for games that in Redfall's case are not worth more money. Um, I want to break down some statistics here. I should also say I'm Scott Tilford. That's Josh Brown. Hello, Scott Tilford. And we'll break some things down. So, um, first one to mention here is Sony. Obviously, the Sony first party stuff. They you know, got out there and said they were going to be putting their prices up. Um, last year, 2022, uh, they had their best year ever in terms of the revenue. Um, they made $27 billion, um, which, like I said, is their best year yet. However, unit sales, PlayStation-wise, they sold 264.2 million PlayStation games across digital and physical, but that was a drop of 40 million units. So they sold less games but they made more money. Now, we'll right. get back to that overall because that is the core sentiment here. And long-time viewers um, might remember all the hubbub, and you know it very much continues, uh, the hubbub around microtransactions across 2017 to 2019, 2020, when they were at their worst, where the industry was very much trying to monetize the whales in the audience, the people with the most disposable income as possible. Once they lock you into a game, you'll spend more money in that game. So they don't necessarily care about less unit costs because yeah. um, they can just monetize the living hell out of you once they've got you through the door. Um, Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 was high highlighted here um, as having a massive drop in, well, having a worthwhile drop in sales. Maybe not massive, but it's still a drop in sales for Call of Duty. Um, but people were still spending a hell of a lot of money inside the game itself. Um, what do you think of all this? Scott you Tilford, think? you know, it's kind of one of those um, headlines where mm. it's good for businesses because it means they get to charge more money for copies and it means that they have to sell fewer copies but still make as much money as they did before or yeah. maybe or more, even yeah. more because, you know, like they said, like the target in the quote-unquote, not our term, by the way, the whales in the audience, those people with oh, yeah, very much a, business a lot of money that they can then pump into those games. But it's one of those titles that's good for business, bad for the consumers, in my opinion, because why would you want to sell fewer copies? Why would you want to limit the audience in any way? You want to grow that audience, in my opinion. You want as many people to play these games as possible, at least that's my view. If you're going totally. to make a lot of money anyway, and you're going to have these microtransactions in there, mm. you want, at least is my view, during a cost of living crisis, during the economic climate that we're in now, mm. uh, people to continue buying games and not be put off by the price point. Because just anecdotally, I don't know about you, but I do this for a living. You know, we, we cover games <laughs> I for drag him in here every day. He drags me in here every single day. And even I'm put off by the £70 <clears throat> price point and I Same. have to almost justify some of these purchases because I know I'll cover them for work. So I've I'm started like, trading games. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. But I talk to friends and they're like, well, I, there's no way I'm going to buy a Redfall 
um, for £70 at launch, especially because there's a chance that it might be broken, which mm. I'm sure we'll get into at some point. Mm. But it's just initially good feeling is, yeah, good for business, bad for players. It also feels like both approaches to, and there's more things to break down here, but it feels like overall these approaches are diametrically opposed. Like you're either charging more upfront for a polished product that you're doing. You know, it's more upfront because you get the full game and don't worry about it. Um, or you have all the in-game purchases that are supposed to offset the upfront cost. You're supposed to, quote unquote, you know, supposed to have in-game purchases as a way to make a free-to-play model work. And I feel like the double dipping that we're seeing at the minute where they charge full price and then have all the in-game currencies and all the different uh, monetization models inside, yeah. they're trying to do a bit of both. Obviously, the market is responding to this. Like I just mentioned, 40 million sales less in terms of unit sales, but the revenue backs up the second half of all that. But, you know, enough people are still, uh, sorry, enough people are still spending the microtransactions to prop up the revenue, to, to prop up the bottom line overall. Yeah. Um, the latest entry into this conversation is Sega. Um, they were uh, delivering a recent financial call and they said in the global marketplace AAA game titles for consoles have been sold at $59.99 for many years but titles are now sold at $69.99 and have appeared across the last year we would like to review the prices of the titles that we believe are commensurate with price increases whilst also keeping an eye on market conditions um, speaking of market conditions as well before we get back to whether or not we think Sega titles are worth £70 I love Sonic but that's a lot of money <laughs> um, speaking of market conditions um, you know Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was the first Nintendo game to go to $70 yes. um, and that paid off massively for them obviously it's Zelda it's a bet they can take or whatever um, but that game sold 10 million copies in three days and um, it already outsold lifetime sales of Wind Waker Skyward Sword and Link Between Worlds and if we're throwing in third party devs then EA have started doing this with Jedi Survivor um, and Dead Space's remake um, 2K do it Warner Brothers did it Mortal Kombat 12 got announced with a whole bunch of ridiculous prices including the standard version being $70 um, and Gotham Knights was $70 last year as was or as is Redfall right now is being sold for 70 a premium price point when the game's on fire. Here's the thing, right? You mentioned um, some major successes there. Obviously, Tears of the Kingdom, great game, doing very well. Uh, you mentioned a bunch of the Sony games as well. Great mm. games do have done very well. Mm. My thinking with this price point is that it's absolutely not going to hurt. In fact, it's going to benefit a select bunch of franchises and right, titles. Right. Like the biggest games that everyone wants they're not going to be hurt by the offset price. Some people might buy, uh, might might wait to buy it until it hits the sale, mm -hmm. but it's going to offset that deficit by you know making money hand over fist. People are going to go out and buy Zelda <clears throat> no matter the price. People sure. are going to go out and buy God of War no matter the price. However, I worry about it becoming standard because then it means games like a Redfall or even a game like a Dead Space might be a harder sell to players because they don't have that cultural cachet necessarily they don't have that i need to buy this right now because mm -hmm. i'm going to miss out or i'm going to miss out on the story or i just feel like i'm missing out on one of the best games you know ever made yeah. i love the dead space remake but i can see like a more than see why people wouldn't have bought into that for 70 pounds because it's a remake of a game they might have already played mm -hmm. and it's you know single player only it's 12 to 15 hours long mm -hmm. and if you do the kind of if you're you know rightly so in some cases do that equation of well what's my hour time versus my money input you know right. what am i yeah. getting in terms of that value mm -hmm. you can kind of see well i'll save that 70 dollars i'll save that 70 pounds and i'll spend it on tease of the kingdom further on down the line those are the games i think that's uh, that are going to get hurt most by this price point not the the big ones that will just make money hand over fist mm -hmm. it just puts i don't know about you but it puts mm. me off but taking a risk on a certain game that I know I'm not going to play for 100 hours or love deeply right, if I'm right. investing that money. Even Jedi Survivor, to me, 
I kind of initially didn't want to pay that much money for because obviously the performance issues and stuff, and I just didn't know if it was going to be worth that much money up front. This is the thing, though. This is the kind of weird unspoken thing here is that there's an assumption of what £70 gets you. I feel like it's tied to the open world genre. I feel like it's tied to some degree of bloat for games. It's making sure that a game lasts a certain amount of hours, even if the story doesn't call for it, even if the thematics don't necessarily call for it. And you end up with these games that... You, know, you look at something like, even if Skyrim was brand new and it was £70, I would bat less of an eyelid than something that was an eight-hour focused story game. Even if you could argue, and I would argue, that that eight-hour story game is worth the full price. Yeah. And I think that's one of the factors. I feel like there's an assumption of what that price point means, and then a lot of devs aim for that. It elongates dev time, it elongates various goals that they might be wanting to get to thematically, narratively, whatever. And I think that's one major factor in terms of like you know informing the market of exactly what you're getting. What £70 even gets you, really, or $70... Uh, gets you. The other thing for me is the much wider issue of um, fidelity. And I know we talk about this loads. Um, and obviously, AAA graphics have a you know matter a lot to a lot of people. I just feel like right now I'm seeing so many um, headlines do the rounds after Tears of the Kingdom. It's like this is a wake up call for the industry. This is a reminder the gameplay trumps graphics. This is a way of making a video game that doesn't you know spend months or years just refining the graphical side of things. And that's an interesting talking point. Um, I've picked my side. I'm entirely gameplay. You can make something look like a bunch of like look like Thomas was alone. And I'm completely fine with it. Um, but I feel like it does have an impact on dev time. It does have an impact on the budget for games. Um, and the more time we take trying to refine the graphical side of things, um, that's what bloats everything out. And then the devs and the publishers argue that you need that higher price point to recoup the dev time. Yeah. Whereas there are ways to make games where the budgets make sense, like Hellblade or like Control or whatever, um, where they don't cost the earth, they still look serviceable, they still look great, but they're not God of War or Naughty Dog or whatever. They're not. They're not right. And the reason I personally cut Sony a little bit of slack, not complete slack, but mm. a little bit, is because I know at least when I buy one of their games, I'm getting a blockbuster production. Yes. I'm getting cutting-edge graphics. I'm getting uh, dense gameplay experiences. I'm getting a lot of rich content. And I can justify that £70 pounds, uh, more to me personally because I kind of know what I'm going to get and I know mm. there's a certain level of production that's gone into it. I don't know if that's healthy, but I know I like <laughs> it, if that makes sense. Well, it's working really well. And I, and I know that some of my favorite games of the generation of the past 10 years have been your big graphical hitters like Red Dead Redemption 2, like your God of Wars, your Last of Us's, all of that stuff. So I'm kind of on the other side of this fence whereby I do appreciate that extra time and the extra mm. money that goes into that stuff because I get a lot out of uh, visuals. I get a lot out of how those visuals create an atmosphere or a yeah. sense of place. And even in something like Jedi Survivor, which runs terribly, there's a there's an opulence almost mm. to the production in that game. Like mm. I said, you know, I could just stand and watch, you know, like these flying cars in the distance. I can yeah. look at these cityscapes. Oh, I can look beautiful. at the characters and whatnot. And I kind of I can see my money on screen almost and yeah. that's I'm not even like again I'm not saying I'm right by saying this at any means but I've been at least conditioned to think that and when I kind of did buy Jedi Survivor and I saw how good the game looked and how dense it was with mm. content I kind of breathed a sigh of release in a way because I knew that despite the performance issues um, I hadn't been quote unquote short changed in terms no. of the content and the quality of the game Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. 
Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Yeah. yeah, and there's a lot of bang for your buck in Jedi Survivor. Thankfully, um, I think I mentioned this in the other video. In I don't even remember. We've done two videos. We yeah. shot a couple of videos. Go, please go check that other one out. Um, you know, Jedi Survivor's finally been patched. The fifth patch in a couple of weeks to finally get that game running a lot better in its performance mode. But you do get a lot of bang for your buck in that game. There are a lot of open world elements that are worthwhile. I think the issue for me overall is focus. Um, it's just that idea of, you know, getting a project over the finish line. What are they aiming towards? Do you need an auteur at the helm of the whole thing? Like a Cory Barlog, like a Hideo Kojima, like a Ken Levine or whatever it is whoever it is um i wonder about that i just wonder about that idea of you know dev times the take years it takes so long and then we need this price point to recoup the money um, and that's like another major factor the idea of like has the AAA model bloated too much is that a more optimum way of making a game yeah. and i cited control and hellblade um because they pass they pass as like AAA looking games especially control um and it's just one of those things where there's a certain level of fidelity a certain level of production that we can probably aim for and then bring the gameplay side back in but it's all turned around in a measurable time window so you don't need to gouge the consumer to make up the mistakes that you had during development if we would class them as mistakes, it's, I just I think it's just one big conversation. I've, honestly, man, I think it's an excuse that publishers mm. like to trot out to justify their bad business practices. They are making a lot of money, like, <laughs> and that money is primarily going to the executives who get these mad bonuses every year. Like, it's not they're not little studios who need every penny to recoup these outrageous costs. Like, either budget better mm. or stop like just keeping hoarding that wealth <laughs> for like the few at the top and yeah. like not reinvesting it into the studio. You can 
compare your developers, like these franchises are huge. Yeah. Zelda, God of War, even on the Ubisoft side with like Assassin's Creed and mm. whatnot. Call of Duty might be selling quote unquote less, but it's still one of the best selling franchises and games in the entire world across, in, never mind just in the gaming space, it's mm. one of the best selling things in all of media, you know yeah. what I mean? I just, when when they trot out excuses like that, man, I just, personally, I can't buy it because it's not on us to feel bad for them. Mm. They need to do better by their developers. They need to spend this money more wisely yeah. and redistribute that money more wisely because I can't, I can't look, I can, I can happily do that for like an indie team mm. who really is, you know, trying to do something for themselves is being more quote unquote ethical with their spending and their and their money and stuff, but man, I'm not looking at Activision and going, "Oh, poo you." No, of you course, know, I think you're laying off 800 staff members. <laughs> Where's this money going? You'd like, I've got, we got no money. Yeah, you do. You got yeah, money. You got plenty, especially the Bobby Kotick's of the world yeah. and everything. Um, another thing as well is just that brass tax reality of the games you're getting for that price point, not feeling worth it immediately, not looking worth it immediately, like a Red Four, um, like Jedi Survivor to this point, um, in, a, in a performative way. It's just, it is one of those things where it doesn't feel like where we are in the industry we're like three years in we're about to be for the new gen systems it doesn't feel like we're hitting those benchmarks we're in the same and um, we have the same issues that we had about five six years ago where the average game arrives broken the average game arrives needing a patch the average game arrives needing some sort of extra work on it for the next few weeks and they're wanting to um, charge more for that um, which I just think annoys a lot of the consumers as much as I love Sonic and Sonic Frontiers and whatever that game's popping is abysmal and embarrassing and a joke and people on the PC platforms patched it in like a week um, but Sega have never fully fixed the, uh, the the pop in in that game, even though it should be a very simple thing to do. If Sega follow that route and charge seventy pounds or dollars for the next uh, Sonic game, and it has a repeat issue like that, that's a joke in a modern gaming console space. Yeah, man, that's my biggest issue with this because you know I've sung the praises of Jedi Survivor, but that thing is not acceptable. Like, and mm. I totally get why people would not want to spend seventy pounds on it in the state it is. I wouldn't have if it wasn't my job to cover it. You right. know what I mean? If we weren't going to be talking about it and whatnot. Um, I just think it's outrageous uh, because it's always been the case and we've said this before and we're not the first people to say it other great um, video game critics and journalists and whatnot have already mentioned this mm-hmm. but day one purchases have always burned the most hardcore fans oh, yeah. the dedicated fans that support these franchises in the first place and that fire for lack of a better term is only getting more aggressive when you add this larger price point on you're targeting the wealthiest fans you're targeting the the most diehard fans who will you know save all year for one game Mm. and you're giving them the worst version of it and if you're charging this price point i could just echo what you said you you need something in return of course businesses can just put up the price point because they can do that they can excuse it on inflation or whatever Mm. they don't need an excuse but as consumers we want something for that added money yep. and if that added you know promise if that added you know potential isn't basic stability then you're just giving us a worse product for more money and that's and it what, what, what yeah that's one of the that's one of my overall core things is that we had the generational leap we had this assumption of what the systems are going to bring to the you know the industry overall and minimize load times and all this new graphical fidelity and everything else um but we're still getting games that are as broken as redfall we're still getting all these patch uh, uh, frame rate problems that need fixing with patches etc um it doesn't feel like you're getting this premium product you're spending 70 pounds or 70 dollars 
pause on something and it doesn't feel like it's worth that if you parallel it with anything else you would spend 70 notes on. I think that's one of the core issues as well. Um, this is very much an open-ended conversation, but the amount of devs and publishers that are steering into it um, feels like it's not going to be going away anytime soon. You know, we, we said this, I think, maybe they're in a podcast or maybe just in the office, but imagine like this in any other medium. Mm. Like you spend um, day one an IMAX ticket, you know, $20 mm. or whatever it is to go see Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And you're kind of watching it and you're thinking, this is really good. And then you get to the portal scene in the frame rate tanks and some <laughs> characters aren't there and Tony Stark glitches out of existence and you can kind of say, well, I can I can see what they were going for. I'll come you back know? next week. Maybe they'll have yeah. fixed it. I'll yeah, come yeah. back next week. It's like, I'm as guilty of it as anyone else because I've just been singing the praises of Jedi Survivor, but mm. there's a certain level of acceptability in how broken something could be in the gaming space that we've gotten to that publishers just feel confident to say, we're going to up the price, but we're not going to up our quality. There's also another side of this, and we will like wrap this soon. It is the optics of those projects. It is the communication between the devs and uh, the fan base. With Jedi Survivor, there was absolutely a, a great game to play in quality mode. Like there was like They could have could have got out there and said, focus on the quality mode for now. We're going to touch up the performance mode. and um, That's the one we're focusing on, or whatever it is. Because there, are, there were parts in that game, which might still be there. Like I said, it's five patches in. But there were parts of that game where you could just hit a certain um, chain of events, do a certain set of missions in a certain order, and you'll get a text prompt on the screen saying, hey, don't go any further. We don't know what's going to happen if you keep playing. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and I feel like those kind of things, if we're going to open the avenue of communication up, then you could make that about what work is being done on the game and advising the consumer how to best deal with it whilst we deal with the reality of games not being worth their money at launch. Yeah. I don't know if that's a viable way to go overall, but I feel like also having a text prompt tell you the game's broken and we know it is also hilarious and kind of tragic. It's just, it, it, it really is. <laughs> And there was that um, with Jedi Survivor specifically. There was that uh, article that came out before launch mm. with the game director Stig Asmussen, I think he is called. Yes, um, who was saying, you know, it's great. We got this game out in like three and a half years. We were efficient. We got, <laughs> we got it all over the finish line. And mm. it's like. Did you? You pushed something over the Like, it's, it's nearly there, but yeah. is that something to kind of champion when it's in this state? Mm. I don't necessarily think it is. Like, maybe you could have taken a few more months to kind of make sure it was, mm. um, you know, as it should have been mm. for that price point. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, like I said, it's an ongoing thing, but you can let us know what you think down in the comments below. Have you bought many £70 games or $70 games, or do you tend to wait a little bit? Are you waiting for more price reductions? Are you waiting for second-hand, third-hand games um, to try and keep up with the industry that you potentially love? Um, for now, I've been Scott from Oculture.com. I've been Josh from Oculture.com. Please check out this video somewhere here. I'll put something nice here. Maybe GTA 6, we'll find out. And thank you very much for watching and subscribing, and we'll catch you soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.